CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Good morning. It's Friday, September 3rd. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm going to keep this introduction really quick because we have a long conversation with Greg Biggins, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports, talking about all of the California quarterbacks taking center stage this week. And guys like JT Daniels, DJ Uyangalele, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud played last night. I think he did well. I'm recording this the day before that game, though. Uh, Matt Corral at Ole Miss. It's, it's really fun. Greg's always great to have on and he's having a moment right now because Cali quarterbacks are having a moment. Before we do that, three picks for Saturday. Our producer, Lance Glenn, told me to pick these three games. They're not the three I'm the most confident in, but I did go two and one in week zero, so we'll hope to do it again. I've got... Penn State versus Wisconsin. Penn State at Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a five-point favorite. I'm going to go Penn State plus five. I I don't think Wisconsin has the lethal rushing attack that they've had in, in the years past. I know it wasn't so hot last year, but uh, status of Jalen Burgers in doubt. Ches Malusi, the Clemson transfer, starting for the Badgers. I just, uh, even if they win, I see Penn State keeping that close. And by the way, I've got the under in f- 50, and I actually did play that, so I'll, I'll go ahead and share. Texas hosts Louisiana. All right, come on. I, I, I've got Texas minus eight here. The Longhorns lost their opener under Tom Herman. And then, of course, the next year lost again to Maryland. I think Steve Sarkeesian knows that. I think he knows he needs to make a good impression. I think Texas is way more physical than the Raging Cajuns, even though I do like them. I think especially Texas defensive line against Louisiana's offensive line. It's not even close as far as like what type of human we're talking about. So I think Texas is fine defensively. And then I think offensively, Sark's going to have something drawn up. Um, they're going to put up a lot of points, I, I think, Saturday night and, and leave a good first impression for the fans in Austin. And then of course, the big game of the the week, the the day, the year, maybe uh, Clemson versus Georgia in Charlotte, North Carolina. I will be there. So I've I was surprised a few months ago when the line opened at Clemson minus three. Now though, I think that's that's correct, and I actually think Clemson covers that. Why? Why do I think that? All right, Georgia and, and Georgia will will do some damage defensively against Clemson's interior offensive line. The Tigers were not good there last year. They won't be good there again, but they know how to compensate for it. They've got a ton of good wide receivers going against a Clemson secondary that is very talented, yet with the exception of Darian Kendrick, extremely inexperienced. I think DJ is a better quarterback than JT Daniels. I think offensive coordinator Tony Elliott, who was not around in the Sugar Bowl because of COVID during the blowout loss to Ohio State, I think his return will make a difference because don't forget, Clemson and jumped out they scored 14 quick points against Ohio State with Tony Elliott's play script that he already got to write and then the moment that those you know your pre-scripted plays go out the window and you actually have to call up offense that's when everything fell apart for the Tigers so Tony Elliott's back and then defensively I think Clemson is is I think they can stop the run better than they did last time we saw them when Trey Sermon ran all over them I think they're gonna get JT Daniels into some difficult third and long situations and feast there so I like them covering three and I, and I, I actually feel rather good about that so anyway those are my predictions we'll see if I'm right in a few days' time. Uh, Without further ado, here's Greg Biggins. 
As promised, Greg Biggins joins us right now. Greg, I'm trying to keep this thing under 15 minutes, under 20 minutes. I think it's going to be tough. I know you're proud, proud of, of what California has been doing. And I have the number of how many starting quarterbacks they have in college football, and it's 18. And that's just, I know there's a lot of kids out there, Greg, but that's a, that's a whopping number. <laughs> You know, honestly, I've been a little down on California football in general, but I am excited about this group of quarterbacks. So it's kind of a uh, a love hate relationship right now. Not not fired up about these linemen I'm seeing, Trey, but yeah, quarterbacks they're they're kind of they're kind of bringing it a little bit. I'm excited to see them this weekend and the whole entire year. It should, man, it should be fun. It feels like the Cali quarterback cycle has has gone up, right? I mean. I don't want to you know, slander any kids, but it, there were a few years where it was not good. And states like Georgia had their moment, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, Texas, of course, has its moment and it'll, it'll come back in a few seasons as well. If Quinn Ewers gets going, Kate club Nick as well, but this, it feels like California has wrestled back control. I know things are cyclical, but you look at a Bryce Young, a CJ Stroud, a DJ Uihangalele, a JT Daniels, a Matt Corral, a Carson Strong at Nevada. It's just did you know a few years ago that this was about to be a a, a pretty successful run? You know, I, I, I honestly, I didn't know about Carson Strong. I'm not going to try to take credit for that one. But I mean, we had Bryce, DJ, and CJ, one, two, three nationally, right? So excited about that. And those three, JT Daniels for me is kind of a generational guy. To this day, the only eighth grader I've ever interviewed. I had no clue who he was. And people were like, you don't know who JT Daniels is? And I was like, no, why would I? He's in eighth grade. Like, I don't cover... You know, seventh, eighth graders, I, I refuse to do it, but I'm at a tournament. He's at a high school seven on seven. And I go, this guy is better mechanically than every single high school junior going into his senior year here. Who is he? And why is he so good? That's JT Daniels. And so I kind of heard a little bit about his story, but at an early, so I went and I go, Hey man, I'm Greg. And you know, you're JT. I heard a lot about you. What's your story. And he kind of, you know, kind of met and I did actually did a story on him. And as an eighth grader, I felt a little bit weird about it. This was kind of before you see all these eighth grade offers going out, but I, you could just tell right away he had something going on that was special. And yeah, I mean, you mentioned the quarterbacks being, you know, cyclical, you know, 21, 22, a little bit down out here, but we've already talked about the 23 class, right. Is coming back up again. So it is a cycle, but the guys that are in college right now, and I'm excited to see them. I'm glad you mentioned the JT Daniels meeting him. I feel like people are forgetting how big of a deal he was. He was, I mean, people see what modern day is right now, but they don't understand modern day was not good for about 10, 15 years. And when I say not good, it's like saying a guy in the NFL is not good, right? You're everybody in the NFL is a great, great, great elite, elite, elite. Modern day was always good. And he started as a freshman. We all know about that, right? Matt Barkley and Todd Marinovich were the only other guys to do it. And then took some lumps sophomore year. They were a top five team nationally. They got upset in the finals. And then his junior team, people will say might be the best team ever from Southern California. That was Elias Ricks. That was Amon Ross St. Brown and Brew McCoy and Marcus Remigio and Tommy Brown and Chris Murray. I mean, all these guys are, are dudes. Like he put modern day kind of back on the map and get into the finals two years in a row. That 17 team, uh, you know, they, they won it all national championships. But before that, modern day hadn't won. And now people are kind of, you know, saw what they did over in Texas this past week. It's like, oh, modern day, they're stacked. Yeah, they've always been like this. Not until JT got there. JT kind of rallied them. And once JT went there, it was kind of like it was cool to go to modern day. Well, it's certainly cool right now to go to Georgia, but it, it does feel like there's a parallel there <laughs> as far as he can he can lift them. And I think there's a parallel too with DJ. I mean, he's made some starts now, but only because Trevor Lawrence had COVID. And DJ's mm -hmm. first ever high school start at St. John Bosco 
was against JT Daniels um, when the the St. John Bosco starter, Ray Al Mitchell, who I, we saw this on the on the QB one show, was pulled, and I think everyone just kind of realized it was it was DJ's time. I was watching a video you did. It, I think you said the eighth grade as well, and not as far as like an interview with DJ, but you just saw him in middle school, Greg, just throwing darts as a as a huge kid or what? Yeah, he was already probably about the same size right now as he was in eighth grade. And like I said, you know, when me and Huff talked, I'm from Hawaii, right? My mom's one of nine kids. I've seen, I've been around Polynesians my, my whole life. Polynesians don't go to college and lean out. They typically tend, and this, I say this in love, they tend to keep adding some bulk to them, right? And so when I saw DJ, I'm like, oh man, this guy throws the ball like it's a baseball, man. He absolutely is ripping it, but he's already 6'3", 6'4", and 230, 235. I'm going, by the time he's a high school senior, he's going to be 280, you know? And then I just kept following him. And then freshman year and sophomore year, and his body never really changed. If anything, he kind of leaned out and he was always an athlete. I mean, people forget a big reason why USC went on Bryce Young over DJ. And they offered DJ in eighth grade. But when they were both sophomores, Bryce was the priority for USC because there was still some doubt if DJ was going to go play college football because he was a legit MLB prospect. Guy was throwing 90 miles an hour as a high school freshman. And so people thought, ah, you know, do we go all in and invest on DJ? What if he gets first round pick in the draft and, and, and goes the Major League Baseball route? So this guy is not just a thrower, man. He was a two-sport guy. He was an athlete. He never had spring football because he always played baseball in the spring. So I think the growth with DJ, it was every year he kind of added something new. To get back to that game with, with modern day, I can't say enough about how DJ just kind of handled himself. And it was obvious, even though Real Mitchell, you mentioned him, and they had just won a state title the year before. I mentioned, you know, that was when they upset JT in modern day. That was Real Mitchell, who was the quarterback for that team. He's coming back. And so everyone's thinking, oh, DJ's got to wait his turn. And he, he did it in the most mature way I've ever seen a kid do it. And he was already getting some playing time. And they asked him, hey, DJ, and they try to heap praise on him. And he'd say, hey, it's all real. You know, he's been a mentor to me, which he wasn't, you know, but DJ said it because he didn't want to ruffle feathers or, or rock the boat. DJ, you know, you're, you're doing so well, man. Real Mitchell has been a great leader for me. Every time they tried to heap praise on him, he deflected to somebody else because he wanted to be a great teammate. But it was obvious, man. The guy was already a dude as a sophomore. And then, you know, I think Real kind of got tired of the platoon thing. He didn't think he needed to or had to. He just wanted to state title the year before. He just beat JTs. I don't want to platoon with this, you know, this sophomore kid. I should be the guy. And it was, like I said, it was obvious that DJ was a better pure thrower in that offense, that Bosco offense that had Josh Rosen and, and had a, a historical, you know, bunch of quarterbacks that came through. They want to be able to have a guy who could throw it. And his first ever start, so Real had an injury, and I'm using air quotes because no one really knows if he was, you know, really injured. DJ went in there, and again, that 2017 modern day team, maybe one of the best ever he kind of got thrown into the fire but never flinched man he got hit after you know every single play never flinched man he hung in there and made some big time throws and and just kept getting better you know they played modern day again cf finals they lost but he just he kept getting better junior year senior year i mean the, the guy just became one of the better quarterbacks to ever come out of southern california but for me i'll always just remember just his makeup and just the way he handled himself and just the maturity and just what a good kid he was. And I always say this, him and Bryce Young, I've been doing this almost 30 years, him and Bryce, you know, will always for me be the two most humble five stars I've ever covered. Like not an ounce of arrogance or prima donna in any of those two kids. Do you think that there is any sort of legitimate concern that Saturday's game will be too overwhelming for DJ because it's his, like, this is his time now? I I've seen that a little bit around around the the internet, Greg. It's like the last two his, his two starts last year, 
house money, right? No, nothing's really expected from you. Uh, go out there, kid. And now it's like we've been talking about this game for nine months. Because I think the key is, can he play pitch and catch with all those receivers against a, a totally inexperienced secondary? And if he can do that, Clemson probably wins. But to do that, he has to stay within himself and not force anything. And the stories you're telling me make it seem like he's going to go out there and think no big deal. I mean, I, I want wanted to cut you off so many times. I wanted to let you finish your sentence though, Trey, but like anyone saying DJ, the, might, the moment might be too big for him, like zero chance, zero chance of him feeling any kind of pressure. I mean, understand this as a high school kid, he played in so many high pressure games. People say, oh, that's high school. Well, shoot, man, high school's a big deal. When you go to Bosco, you're playing modern day. I mean, that rivalry right there is, I mean, that that's like nothing else. And then the last high school game for him, Against Modern Day, obviously they went out and beat Day LaSalle, who's another historical power. But when they played Modern Day as a senior, that Modern Day team was a huge favorite, had beaten them before. That was the Bryce Young team. They're down 28 to three. And then he just had maybe the best second half I've ever seen a quarterback have. They rallied, they won. He threw for like 500 yards or whatever it was. Even against Notre Dame, people say, oh, that's house money. Dude, like that's not really house money when you think of how the college football playoff works, right? I mean, you got to win almost every game to get in there. And what if he goes there and and Notre Dame smokes him and beats him by 21? Now, obviously, they lost that game against Notre Dame. DJ played great, but hmm. you think the bowl committee looks at them differently if it's an overtime loss versus getting beat by four touchdowns? So I still think there's a lot of pressure on DJ. You know, he's coming in and you're, you got a lot to play for. So long, long-winded way of, of me saying, I think he's going to have a great game. And I'm very comfortable with, with saying he, he's not going to be overwhelmed. Now, you know, if he doesn't play well, it's not because he's overwhelmed it's because maybe you know receivers are dropping balls or they're getting gloved by the secondary or you know he's just he's just off but it won't be because the game will be too big for him from an emotional standpoint or from a pressure standpoint he'll he'll be fine man he's he's kind of wired he's kind of built for this i know bryce young didn't really want to sit around on the bench last season i i wonder if it it was probably kind of good for him. I don't know. I mean, he was supremely talented. You said in that video, he's the best you've ever seen at, at when the pocket breaks down and, and getting out in there. Just he, he just sounds like the next Russell Wilson. Um, are you expecting? Are you expecting him to to live up to all that hype Saturday against Miami? Hundred percent. And obviously, Miami's. I mean, that's that's a good football team. It's not like your your debut is against some one double A school. This is controversial, and I think Mac Jones has already won the starting job with the Patriots, right? So yes, we know he's better than I think a lot of people, including myself. You know, watching Mac last year, I I thought I didn't want to say he's a system guy, but I didn't know he'd be. I didn't see a first round talent just from a physical standpoint. He's he's over exceeded my expectations, but all year long I kept saying, you know what? There's not a throw that Mac's making right now that Bryce couldn't have made. And I still feel that. I still feel that Bryce has equal talent from a pure throwing standpoint. I think Bryce offers a, a different dimension from any other quarterback that Alabama has had. You know, obviously Jalen Hurts had some athleticism, but Bryce, his athleticism is unique. He's not a guy that takes off in Michael Vick. He's not going to go for 60. His, his uniqueness and how he moves around is that eyes are always down the field and his ability, his ability to, to make multiple guys miss while keeping his eyes down the field and making these crazy off-platform, off-balance throws, rolling right or rolling to his left. He, he almost seems like he's more comfortable in a helter-skelter blitz. I got to run for my life. He almost seems like he's more comfortable that than just a simple three, five-step drop where he has time. Now, don't get me wrong, man. He, he, he can live in the pocket, but I'm just saying how good he is when a play breaks down and he's not just taking off like... Defenses are going to have to be very, very cautious of how they come after him because you don't just 
once a lot of times you see the pocket break down, man, you're gonna, you're sending more guys after him, right? With Bryce, man, he wants that. He wants more guys coming after him, and he's gonna, gonna find he'll find guys open and just dink, dunk, dunk. But his ball placement and his accuracy, his deep ball accuracy, is extremely good. Now, I'm not saying he's gonna have the game of his life opening day against Miami, but I I'm comfortable saying by week four or five, Bryce is gonna be. Definitely on, on my Heisman list. I, I think he's going to be doing really, really big things for Bama. And I think he would have had a great year last year with that O-line and those receivers. Mm-hmm. I think he would have had a huge year as a true freshman last season. And Greg, they're probably going to talk about his height on television. He's listed as six foot. I wonder if that's generous, but you're, you've talked about the big <laughs> hands. The big hands, it just kind of offsets it. Height doesn't matter. No, no. I mean, you're, you're throwing through windows anyway, right? I mean, nobody's thrown over the top of a 6'5 offensive lineman. You're not throwing over his helmet. Now people say, oh, it helps you see down the field. It does, right? There's, there's definitely some advantages. If you're 6'2 um, and you get a nice deep five, seven-step drop, you can see down the field easier. However, I think the game is trending toward guys that can make plays with their legs, whether you're 6'2", you know, 6'5", Josh Allen, or whether you're 5'10", 5'11", like Baker, like Kyler Murray. You already mentioned Russell Wilson. Right now, I'm seeing everybody starting to get comped to Russell Wilson. It's kind of annoying to me, right? It's like for years, every every white point guard was John Stockton. They're going, no, John Stockton is is so much better Special. than the, the guy you're trying to compare. Yeah, John Stockton is like a top five point guard of all time. Now you're seeing every small quarterback, oh, he's, he's Russell Wilson. So I say that to say this, Bryce is probably the closest thing to Russell Wilson. He has a lot of those same qualities. And I mentioned the hands, dude. Like, I, he palms the basketball. I've seen it with, with ease. His hands are huge. I, I would bet he has 10-inch-plus hands. He can absolutely rip the football. His vision and his ability to anticipate throws down the field is at an extremely high level, which, again, if you're a smallest quarterback and can't see and you're having to rely on throwing the ball when a guy's open, it's too late. you got to anticipate and get the ball out early. That's, that's Bryce. And you think I he think, can dunk? You said palm the basketball. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, easy. Yeah, Bryce is an athlete. You know, again, he's not going to go at a combine and, and run a 4-3 like a Kyla Murray might, but Bryce is a high-level, was a high-level point guard before he got to high school, and you can kind of see it. I mean, he would make these, these no-look throws, and everyone would joke on Twitter saying, I saw him doing those no-look passes in basketball. Now he's doing it with the football in his hand. And it, I, he'll do it at some point this year where, you know, and Pat Mahomes has kind of made it, you know, not as difficult as, as people. It's still really hard to do where you're looking one way and you're literally throwing it across, you know, across your body to a guy who's open and no one thinks, you know, hey, look at the quarterback's eyes and run there. Well, Bryce is able to look at the quarter, look at a, a safety and literally throw it to a receiver who's five yards away. He's a very special talent. And again, I'm not trying to make excuses for him. You know, I don't know if the Bama O-line receiver group is is where it was last year. So, but I think eventually, you know, those guys will all mature together. And I, I have like it's, I, I have no doubt Bryce is, is set for a big year. So Bryce Young, DJ, JT, they, those guys are all preordained. Uh, CJ Stroud, who we watched last night, we're recording this a, a day ahead of that game. So we're assuming CJ played well in his debut as a Buckeye starter. If he didn't, we don't want to jinx him. <laughs> but, but CJ was the late bloomer, Greg. He showed up to the opening finals. I remember you guys talking about cows in the mix. You know, Baylor might be the front runner. And you, you told Bill Kirillic at, at Bucknuts 24-7, hey, you need to get into touch with whoever you talk to at Ohio State. This guy is a dude. Because the Buckeyes already had Jack Miller in their class. Sure yeah. enough, CJ has an awesome opening. Rises up the ranking senior year, becomes our number three quarterback. I think that's pretty cool. The story of the late bloomer. 
he'll always be one of my favorite kids. And even now, you know, I had a chance to see him twice. He was at the Elite 11 and he was at the Steve Clarkson quarterback retreat. So I've seen him twice and talked with them over the last few months. I think both those events were June or maybe July was the opening. So still the same guy. Like he will never change. He is still super competitive, still got that chip, but just he is not one of those you mentioned preordained. And he's such an easy guy to root for because, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they, they've had their quarterback coaches and trainers since they're in diapers and they go to the system and, you know, they kind of have that little bit of arrogance and, and just that belief that I'm better than you are at life just because you can throw a football well. CJ always had that chip, but it was also, it was also a lot of humility to him. And so he didn't start until his junior year. And now out here in Southern California, like quarterbacks don't wait their turn. Like that just, you know, this is, you have all these handlers and quarterback trainers in their ear and in crazy dads. I've always said this, man, the quarterback dad is the nuttiest guy on the planet. And so, you know, you see a lot of quarterbacks that are like, yeah, I, I get it. Talk to the dad for five minutes. You understand why the quarterback is a little, little bit crazy. So CJ waited his turn. He was at Rancho Cucamonga, which is a school that always has athletes, but not known as your typical, you know, your modern day, your Bosco, your day of the Sal, your, you know, your Servite. It's, you know, kind of a, a smaller school, but that's where he was from. And he didn't want to, you know, I'm going to go play with my guys I grew up with. He played on the basketball team. You know, he, you know, was a guy who waited, had a good junior year. It, we, we liked the film. We all liked the film and we, we wanted to bump him up to maybe even a four-star. Like, hey, let's just kind of maybe wait and went to the opening regional and, and did well there, but was not a lock to make the final at all. I was hitting up Brian Stump saying, hey, Brian, you know, this guy got a chance. I, I kind of like CJ. I thought he threw it. He, and Brian's like, yeah, yeah, we like him. You know, he's, he's on the bubble, but we like him. Went to the finals, played on the same seven-on-seven team as Bryce, and everyone's like, oh, he won't be able to get to play because Bryce is going to be the guy. And Bryce had a, a couple series that didn't go for touchdowns. They subbed in CJ, and CJ had one of the best performances ever. Like, we're talking maybe not Justin Fields, which was the number one performance mm -hmm. ever by a quarterback, but I think CJ was probably the second best that I've personally seen. He did not miss, Trey. Like, he did not miss a throw. And like you said, dude, I was sitting next to Bill. Like, you know, you were there, right? In that yeah, little indoor. I was there. Yeah, yeah. In the indoor. And I'm going, Bill, like, I know they got Jack. I like Jack. But, dude, this guy is a dude. Like, I know they want a second quarterback. I guarantee you CJ would be would be interested. They already had Jillian Flemming and G. Scott on his seven-on-seven -seven team. They are already kind of building a relationship. And I go, he is not married to any of his schools. He does not love anyone right now. He is wide open. I'm like, Bill, come on, man. You'll score points. Trust me. Say, you take credit for it. Say, <laughs> hey, I've seen this guy. And I love this guy. And go on him. They'll, they'll never doubt you again. And I don't know if Bill did it. I always kid with Bill if he did or not, but like they went on him eventually. So did UCLA and so did USC and so did Oregon, which was a childhood favorite school, but he loved Ohio state. And he took a couple of visits there and loved it. And at that Steve Clarkson retreat, you know, I saw him make some throws and the college guys didn't do a ton of throws, but he made three or four throws that were absolutely NFL throws where you're going, everyone was going, wow. Like, what did we just see? I think the guy is a special, special talent. I've said it before. I'm a big Quinn Ewers guy, but I think he might have to wait at least one, if not two years. So I think CJ's got some special talent to him. I mean, he's got a huge arm. He's smart. He's mobile. Uh, he's competitive. He's tough. He's accurate. You know, he knows how to play the position. Like he's not a thrower. He knows how to play the quarterback position. And I'm super excited for him at Ohio State. Like I said, man, such an easy guy to root for because of his journey. And I, like I said, man, I, I, I can honestly conceive in my head that, you know, JT, Bryce, DJ, and CJ, those four guys are all on the short list by the end of the year uh, when you're talking about that Heisman. Like, I think they're all going to be on great football teams and all four of those guys with the talent around them, they should all have really big seasons.
I agree. I have, I have two follow up, not questions, just comments. I'm uh, I'm cracking up at the image of like Bill Kirillik being the the Pied Piper <laughs> quarterbacks for Ryan Day. That's incredible. But and then also I think going through CJ's journey that you mentioned, I think that'll help him now at Ohio State when he's in the quarterback room with guys who probably walked in there thinking this will be their job very soon. I think that's that's a cool thing that CJ went through. Last last quarterback, Greg. Just I want to say a word for for Matt Corral. I feel like he's I mean, he's obviously one of the best quarterbacks in college football. His journey was a little bit different than CJ Stroud. He was, I don't know if you Greg, you tell me, was he like overexposed as a young guy? You know, he committed early to USC, decommits, commits to Florida, decommits, and then commits to Ole Miss. And back then, Ole Miss, that wasn't Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss. This this was not that cool, sexy program. And it was almost like, oh. Matt Corral ended up at Ole Miss, but here he is. And he's playing well and he's playing Monday night against Louisville. Yeah, no, Matt will always be one of my favorite guys too. Matt, Matt is not, not a quarterback. Like he's a, he, if you got into a bar fight, you want Matt Corral with you. I mean, that, that's just kind of the, the vibe that he give, well, gives yeah. off. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying Matt, I want Matt to be in a bar fighting. Matt, don't do it. If you're listening to this, I'm just saying, if you were happen to be walking down an alley you want Matt Corral. Like he is tough. And just the way he's built and wired and the way he talks and the, the way he acts. I mean, I think he, a lot of people are kind of like, this is a quarterback. Cause he just, he kind of comes, comes across differently. I mean, he kind of has a, a linebacker mentality to him personality wise, but he is a super fun guy. Another guy who I'm, I'm always going to root for. Like you said, dude, his journey was, was crazy. I mean, he was an Oaks Christian in high school, you know, things kind of went left on him a little bit, I'm not going to give details, but he decided or they decided, everyone decided it was probably better for him to go somewhere else. So he went to Long Beach Poly. You know, Long Beach Poly is, for those who don't know, Long Beach Poly, what modern day and Bosco are right now, that was Long Beach Poly like for like a hundred years. I mean, it, it is a, I think today, it's, they still might have the most NFL players uh, from a high school. Long Beach Poly has dudes. And that was, that's who he is. He's a, he's a Long Beach Poly. He, he's a gritty, tough, grinded out kind of a guy. And he had a, a solid that didn't have a great year at Paul. He had a good year, but honestly, like if you were to told me back then that he would be, you know, making the kind of plays he's making and, and obviously had a huge game against Bama last year and that he would be a legitimate, you know, high round pick at that time coming out, I would have said, yeah, I don't see it, but dude, he worked, man. He worked his butt off and, and he kind of put his head down and he, and he knows what people say about it. Right. Like when I saw him again, another guy who was at the Clarkson retreat and I was like, you know, Matt, I always liked you because no one else did. Like he kind of had that Daryl strawberry, everyone rooted against him. So I always kind of like Daryl strawberry. I, I'm kind of weird that way, but dude, big arm, like really, really special arm. And he, he's got dynamite in that elbow. And so that right there, you, you always say, if, if a guy has that kind of arm talent, he's got like a puncher's chance to make it. And so for me, the exciting thing was just kind of seeing, you know, I mentioned like with, with Bryce, what makes him so good in JT, which is how they process the game so fast, you know, first read, second read, anticipate, like Matt didn't have that really in high school. You know, Matt was, I'm going to look for the guy open. I'm going to throw the ball as hard as I can. And he better catch it. That, that was his style, right? It was, he was going to throw it hundred miles an hour to whoever was open. Hopefully it was the first guy. And if he's not open, I'm going to take off and run. I'm going to run someone over. So I think you're just watching Matt now and you watch how he's, the game has kind of slowed down. He's able to process. I think Lane Kiffin has been awesome for him. Another guy, like I've always loved Lane, right? No one else did. I've always been a Lane guy. So those two are like perfect for each other. And and it was funny just seeing them too, because Lane was at the Elite 11, or excuse me, at Clarkson's retreat because his son goes out there. And, and so he's allowed to be there. And so just kind of watching those two interact. I mean, they are tailor-made for each other. You know, Lane's personality and Matt's kind of personality. And, you know, they're both kind of underdogs. And so it's it's fun, dude. I'm, I'm hoping Ole Miss has a big year. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a big Matt Corral guy as well. 
Awesome stuff, Greg. Appreciate you joining us. Pencil me in same time next year. We'll be talking about uh, Tyler Buckner making his Fighting Irish uh, starting debut in week one. That would be good. I would love to see another guy, dude. Like I said, I'll be honest. I don't love everyone from a personality standpoint. There's guys that I don't necessarily root for, but I am rooting for all those guys. Plus Tyler, that would be fun if he goes out there and uh, has a chance to make some big plays at Notre Dame. Talk to you later, Greg. Yes, sir. Appreciate Greg joining us. I know he's been busy this week. I know this isn't the first time he's been talking Cali QBs with me or with anyone this week. So uh, he's a, he's an in-demand guy, and we appreciate his time. Uh, thanks, Lance, for putting this together. Everyone have a great first real weekend of college football. I am so excited. I don't think I've ever been more excited for a weekend of college football in my entire life. So have a good one. moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.